0: to the DNVR Rockies podcast, brought to you, as always, by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20, because this week, they're hooking you up with 30% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and legitimately potentially life-altering. It was, for me, Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creisman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies me as always is beat writer Patrick Lyons and on this episode for anyone who's been paying close attention this week you should not be surprised what the conversation is. Monday they were handing out rookie of the year we talked Rockies rookies. Tuesday was manager of the year we talked Rockies managers. Wednesday they handed out Cy Young and we had Patrick some of the most fun we've had on the podcast all year talking with our friend Mark Knudsen about Rockies pitching, pitching in general, Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens, everything was on the table uh, and some of it got left there. We, we got to have him back as soon as we possibly can. But of course, on this day, Major League Baseball will be handing out the most valuable player award or most commonly known, the MVP. And so we figured, of course, now is a great time to talk about the best individual seasons, the most MVP caliber Performances in Colorado Rockies history, including, of course, the one that they've actually managed uh, to walk away with. But this is something Patrick, you and I have talked about quite a bit. Uh, you know that there's a lot in Rockies history that isn't necessarily there to be proud of, um, right? And uh, uh, the the pitching episode, there were there were some slim some slim pickets. Let's be honest <laughs> with ourselves. We, it's a good thing we had Mark around to to stretch that conversation and to talk some non-Rocky stuff, but. They've had some pretty phenomenal individual performances over the years. Uh, one guy, like we said, who's one MVP, several others that you could make a very strong argument should have one MVP. So this should it should be a pretty fun conversation for Rockies fans today.
1: You know, considering the fact that there have been typically uh, for, the, for the, the first part of The Rockies existence. There were 16 teams in the National League and uh, the 30 voters from the BBWA voting on the National League MVP only have 10 slots to actually vote for players. So you would think there would be a handful of seasons in which, you know, the Rockies just simply weren't in contention and maybe did not get any MVP votes. But there were actually only two years in which the voters said, you know what, we're going to fill our top 10 list with everybody other than Colorado Rockies players. So um, that, that I find to be pretty interesting and and pretty indicative of of how quality, you know, Colorado has had players. There's been a lot of seasons in which they've had more than one candidate out there. In fact, 2009, there were five guys who got MVP votes in 1995. There were four guys who got MVP votes and in six other seasons, three players got at least one 10th place vote or higher. So there's been a lot of talent on on the Rockies roster overall as a team. Sure. They might not walk away with the the commissioner's trophy, but when it comes to MVP, there's no two ways about it. Colorado has had a lot of contenders for this award over the years.
0: And to put it in another way, something we've often said, they have never been without a superstar and that's, something to hang your hat on as a Rockies fan. Of course, the superstar of superstars, the only member of the Hall of Fame so far in the organization's history. I do think Helton's getting in. And of course, we've got to start here, though. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, We did at the the Goaties last year. We inducted it into our DNVR single season Hall of Fame when we did basically just one season per sport that everybody got to choose. And while you can maybe fudge the statistics a little bit and try to get clever and make an argument for something else, I do think it just Larry Walker's 1997 really is the best season in the franchise history. Uh He led the league in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, home runs with 49, obviously then in OPS and total bases. Uh, he didn't lead in batting average, but he still hit .366. Uh, Nineties were a wild time, uh, my friend, but, you know, it, and, and of course he played gold glove caliber right field. And so it just, yeah, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Obviously, unfortunate that the Rockies weren't a bit more competitive, but it is the crown jewel. And I've been doing a lot of, you know, we've been doing these retros and uh, searching back. I just published that thing, by the way, subscribe to the DNVR.com and use that promo code Rockies Get some free stuff when you do that and you get to read about this. One thing I discovered, Patrick, was that uh, Larry Walker averaged over a thousand OPS during his course career, during his Colorado career. But still one one seven two for his OPS over the season in ninety seven. Wow. Yeah.
1: wow. Yeah. Also a member of the 3030 club. Uh, hit 49 homers, 33 stolen bases. the The wild thing is that a couple players did that that year. Raul Mondesi just barely got over the 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 mark there. Barry Bonds, of course, did it as well as Jeff Bagwell. You might not remember him, a lumbering first baseman that just mashed homers for the most of his career. Still sold 31 bases. So four guys go 30, 30. Larry's at the top of the list, and you know if if you just want to look at. If you just want to look at wins above replacement, and that's understandable because that's an easy metric that some people prefer to look at and just say, maybe that's the starting point. Maybe that's where you go to look at something to say, all right, well, I'm going to start my research. Let's just see who was head and shoulders above the rest. Was there an obvious choice? As it turns out, baseball reference who, you know, they're. Uh, their metric because wins above replacement is not equal in every place right. fangraphs and baseball reference they come out with different numbers baseball reference is is not always so kind to the Rockies according to them he was head and shoulders above the rest was good for 9.8 wins above replacement uh, the next closest was 9.4 with Craig Biggio the interesting thing is is teammate Jeff Bagwell actually finished ahead of him in MVP votes. Uh, got three first place votes. Uh, Mike Piazza was there with three first pa- place votes, and Larry Walker got the remainder twenty two out of the thirty, or excuse me, twenty two out of the twenty eight at that point first place votes. Uh, there was there were no uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at that time. So there <laughs> Is that 14, right? fourteen teams in the AL and NL, and yeah, he that's a just a great jumping off point because it's hard to kind of compare these numbers where you've got a guy like Piazza who also hit 40 homers, 120 RBI. Bagwell, 43 homers, 135 RBI. Also stole some bags. But Larry Walker's got the batting average. Mike Piazza's a catcher. That's That's a position where you don't get... Uh, a lot of offensive output from. So the the numbers are really close together as far as wins above replacement goes and I think you can, you know, maybe make the case that hey some of these other guys were pretty much deserving. But you know what? Look, only one guy wins the award. Only one guy can be the cream of the crop and for the Rockies as far as just overall seasons go, n- undoubtedly Larry Walker's season was the best. And it was his best season as well. He played 153 games. It was really the the year in which it all came together for him, for a player whose career was really kind of besieged by injuries and, and, and issues here and there. Went out and played on those injuries a lot. Sometimes maybe he should have, sometimes maybe not so much. Right. But it finally came together in 1997 and the voters got it right. And they said, you know what, Sure, the Rockies didn't make the postseason, but this guy was so vital. He was he was more the best player than the most valuable player. Because if you don't make the playoffs, well, sure. You weren't how valuable can you be? He just was the best player in a year where there were so many great players, so many guys down that list that are Hall of Famers. Like that's the other thing. The the guys two through six behind him were also Hall of Famers, Piazza, Bagwell, Biggio, Bonds, and Tony Not Gwynn, sure. all <laughs> Hall of Famers.
0: All of them, all of them, right? You know what's funny about that, Patrick? Because i And I do agree. I think that that was his best year. And, and you mentioned the reason why. But in 1999, uh, Larry Walker won the Triple Crown. He, he, he led the National League in batting average on-base percentage and slugging. Uh, but he only played 127 games. That was always the bugaboo, right? Hit 37 home runs, uh, only stole 11 bases. Um, So it it was the ultimately not being able to stay on the field or he might've won a second MVP there in in 99. And, and, you know, if he wasn't losing a little bit of his athleticism, which I think was a lot of what put him over the top against some of those other players, uh, you know, Bagwell and uh, Piazza being more, I wouldn't call them one dimensional, but certainly far more of their value came from their hitting than from their, their defense. Neither were poor defenders, but neither were plus defenders. BGO was a solid, solid defender, right? You know, bonds, we know early in his career, great defender, late in his career, terrible defender. Larry Walker was always a phenomenal defender, a phenomenal base runner. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that was always just, when is he going to stay healthy enough so that, he'll win the MVP, but he, he could have won a few others, man. Guy could, guy could flat
1: rake. And, and when he was healthy, he was consistent. He, I mean, that's, that's a hall of famer, right. Was ended up getting votes in six different seasons for the Rockies, never finishing lower than 24th. And as far as, as far as that goes, if you want to talk about longevity, you know, we've, we've, had the conversation with different players as far as, hey, is this guy worthy of being in the Hall of Fame? And, and one metric that I like, it's not a metric so much as it is, just counting up a player's all-star game appearances. Because that that tells me some something about the era that the guy played in that his peers thought he was one of the best. The fans thought he was one of the best. They enjoyed him the most, and you, make, you can make the case for it. There are plenty of other guys where you say, oh, man, this guy is so exciting. But you look at his numbers and he's hitting 280. Like Bryce Harper, there's no doubt about it that you can't every year just go, he's a pretty exciting dude, like watching him swing that bat, man. It's electric. But you can't justify it if he's having a down year. So if you make that all-star game, that's a big deal. If you get MVP votes consistently, that's that shows your value and your longevity to the in the game. And Walker got votes six different times. Um, and that, yeah. that ties the franchise record with Tulowitzki and Helton who we'll get to today but again, you think about what their value was to the team over the course of their career six different times they were you know amongst the leaders they they put their money where their their mouth is right and they they right. delivered or rather they put their bat where their their contract was at right and they were able to deliver on, on that stage and the national media took notice of that which, we know is uh, can be a challenge at times. Yeah, for Colorado athletes.
0: Yeah, uh, arguably the the biggest challenge, the silliest finish in my mind uh, in history. The second best season, I, and and I you were going to make the argument there was any other season that that stands up there with Walker's 1997 is Todd Helton's 2000 campaign, uh, where you know he kind of famously flirted with. Finishing the season batting over 400. Like, as he entered the final month of the season, that was in play, which is insane. But he also wasn't just a batting average guy. He led the league in slugging. He drove in 147 runs. He hit 42 home runs. He led the league in hits. It it was a, an absolutely remarkable season. He ended up finishing in fifth, an MVP voting, which I do think is one of the biggest slaps in the face in 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 Rocky's history. It just doesn't, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And no matter, again, we just like established three years prior, like team was, but still, just the extraordinary. And, and I'm uh, I used to be for the first couple of years at back at BSN, right? Uh, the the pinned tweet. Uh, for BSN Rockies was just the the voting from that year and Todd Helton sitting there in fifth place, but with the higher war and the better, and he just, he was just the best player in the national league that year. And to see him sitting there in fifth place really does make you scratch your head a bit.
1: Yeah, I did get a first place vote, but I think you see there how it can be challenging for voters where they're balancing that value versus the player, and I think again, wins above replacement shows that Todd Helton actually had the best season there in the year 2000. But the team, you know, wasn't wasn't terribly competitive. You had a Giants ball club, you know, who was doing fantastic. In fact, the strange thing that most fans would probably forget, and, and probably think that this would be an impossible nowadays, is that Giants players finished one and two. Yeah. Typically, in in the past, you know, that's. That was part of the discussion, I think, back in, uh, in in 2017, I believe, where Charlie Blackman had a huge season, and there were some thoughts that you know what it could split the vote for some people, and that could you know pull away maybe some votes from Arenado, and 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 ultimately it, it may have. I don't think it cost him, you know, the MVP that year, but it, it pulled some votes away. You had Jeff Kent finishing first, Barry Bonds finishing it second and it was like no there's enough votes to go around and say that these two guys were you know the, the pinnacle of the game at that time because there weren't a lot of really good players surrounding them in san francisco at the time but again if you're just looking at who had the best season that's you know for better word that, that this is what makes baseball great true right we we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to have this conversation if it was just who's the best okay let me just punch the numbers into the calculator right. todd Hell. Todd Helton was the best, un- right. undoubtedly. He put right. up Luke Gehrig-like numbers where uh, you know, no player had ever batted 370 or higher with, uh, what was it, I-, I think 40 or more homers, 140 RBIs. It was like right. something that a handful of players had ever done. All Hall of Famers, all un- right. un- undoubtedly guys you think of immediately when you think of Hall of Famers, and then you have Todd Helton in that group. He's undoubtedly the best player that season. But that's what makes baseball fun and frustrating simultaneously. So you have the conversation right. and say, well, how valuable could a guy be if his team doesn't make the playoffs? And this guy's team does. Right. It's frustrating though. It is yeah. frustrating.
0: It's certainly frustrating when that's one, not done consistently. Knutson pointed True. out just yesterday, right? The whole like Giancarlo Stanton winning MVP right. 20 years ago, while Blackman and Nolan are doing what they're doing for a team going to the postseason.
1: Um, Andre Dawson, very famously, Cubs yeah. finished in last place and and ended up taking away NL MVP. And you go, right. really like that? There's definitely some guys scratching their heads. You also have, and again, this is slightly off topic. You got Jose Canseco winning the MVP there in 1988, writes a book, c- confesses he's using performance enhancing drugs, and you go, poor Mike Greenwell, a name that not a lot of people remember, but you know, great straight outfielder up. with the Boston Red Sox. That could have been, you know, the pinnacle of his career. And oh well.
0: Yeah, straight up. I so also,
1: uh okay, I can buy
0: I can buy Kenton Bond's one two if you really want to be like, look, it was a two-man team and it was a great two-man team. Fine, fair enough. Uh People try to define the Rockies that way in a negative way, but fine. Uh, <laughs> I understand. It's okay. But fifth, wait, wait, what's going on? What's going on at three yeah. and four? You know what I mean? That That's where, I, again, it's sort of like, and the thing that bothered me most about that one was the next one we're going to talk about, I think, um, while it's it's super frustrating, I understand a little bit how it snuck up on people. Um, because that team snuck up on people. That whole situation snuck up on people. But Todd Helton had been chewing up headlines all year. The guy had been flirting with batting 400. People knew what was going on out here. There was no, you know, like, oh, well, I just didn't realize he was having that great a year. Everybody knew what Todd Helton was doing. And if he bats over 400, which frankly is a silly distinction to make for a guy who ended up batting 372 but if he bats over 400 they're going to give him the mvp and that's to, to put it back to the question you've been asking how much more valuable are you really if you hit 400 versus 372 <laughs> and all the other things that he's does? like you know what i mean like at that point really you know for a team that was falling out of it um
1: Yeah, Yeah, and and, I mean, we we saw what that happened in, I think it was 2012, where uh, Miguel Cabrera won the triple crown, right, for uh, highest batting average, most home runs, most RBI, yet Mike Trout was clearly the better player. It just so happened that in those categories that, you know, we kind of deem as these... You know historic numbers, right? And, and and something that just hadn't happened since the late seventies with uh, or early seventies with Carl Yastrzemski. Actually, it might have been sixty-seven. What am I saying? Um, it just, of course, it, it, it was it was history. It was historic. So right. I think yeah, anytime a guy bats four hundred, he's definitely going to get a lot of looks. I think you know I think if if a guy like Juan Pierre, we just saw him in the video. <laughs> one, one of the reasons why to make sure you're tuning in at 405 every day for our live. Uh, podcast is Juan Pierre hits 400. I think he gets MVP votes, but he's not changing <laughs> anybody's mind. Say he right. was so valuable because, right, you know, he still had probably maybe 70 RBI out of the first or right. second spot in the order. Sure, he scores 100 runs, you know, steals maybe 40 bases. But you go, th- this isn't an MVP season. It's an all time great season considering the fact he batted 400, but it's not an MVP. Whereas With Todd Heldon here, he gets, he hits 400. He's got those 40 RBI, uh, excuse me, 40 home runs, 140 RBI, stellar defense at first base. Again, we, we, a lot of lumbering first basemen at that time during that era that did a decent job at first base. And you knew, hey, you boot a baller, you're unable to dig one out of the dirt, you're going to hit a home, a three run home run later that game anyway. So it's not a big deal. Meanwhile, Todd Helton, you know, played gold glove caliber defense for much of his career. That's got to give him a boost as well along the way.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I've I've always thought, and we've talked about it a bit more when we get into his Hall of Fame case, that that's the most underrated element of his career. It's not well understood how good he was defensively, and it's not captured uh, in his war. And even in this one season where he did manage to lead the National League in war, it probably should have been even higher if it was going to accurately capture what he brought defensively to those teams. And so it's just, uh, yeah, uh, you talk about, you know, not having that sort of jewel in, in your crown, feather in your cap. I almost mixed those two things. You know, it would help his Hall of Fame case if he could say he was the MVP. And quite frankly, he he should have been. And, and you know, especially... You know, what do we know about bonds and when did all that start and those kinds of things and and those questions there and those guys serving as lineup protection for each other when Todd Helton had, after him, one of the worst offenses in Rockies history. That's another thing lost about this season that I discovered going back through all these other numbers. That 87 OPS plus for the team was way below their average, one of the worst marks in franchise history, and he was doing this on that team with no help. Uh, So it's it's just that much more impressive. Like pitchers could just choose to completely work around him if they wanted to. And he got all them walks too. He took the walk when he, when it was there and he took the bomb when it was there, Uh, he he took it all, man.
1: Yeah. He, he he carried that team. I mean, there were still two games over 500, you know, way out of the wild card race, but still you, it's, it's like a manager, you know, uh, taking a team to a 500 record when everybody expects him, no, not to be. You know, Don right. Mattingly did did a little bit more than that this year, but you see him as the manager of the year at with the Marlins club that they were thirty and thirty. So you go, well, how, how why is that impressive? And well, it's the context. And on that two thousand club, you know, while there were two other guys that ended up, you know, batting over three hundred with a hundred RBI, uh, they weren't Larry Walker. You know, he he only played eighty seven games. Those other two dudes were Jeffrey Hammonds. Sure. And Jeff Cirillo, who only hit 11 home runs that season in 157 yeah. games, which Little. is just kind of a, a strange note. And, and the fourth in RBI was Brett Maine, a catcher, at, slash pitcher, catcher slash pitcher. People right, right. Him fondly as a, as a pitcher in the Drew Butera mold. But you're right. That was a club that just did not have any offense. I mean, you could have made the case that probably somewhere along the way, Nafee Perez should have been batting second. And on a Sunday on a getaway day, you know, if guys are getting a rest, he's batting third, like that, that should not happen. That was not a very good offensive club. And Helton was the catalyst for those 82 wins. You're right. Um, All right, Patrick, I've got to
0: hand the wheel to you for this next one for just a minute, because in preparation for this conversation, I'm going to have to run and get a Breck brew. Normally I would tell you, that it's downstairs and, and trust that you would all believe me. And, and, and I would toast my Breck brew, but I'm going to go and get one because we're about to talk about the 2007 season again, and the third player on our list who absolutely should have a most valuable player trophy in his closet. You Jamie Carroll. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you, you had the solid argument uh, again, <laughs> Yeah, not not against Todd helping us. Now you made the, the fair argument for why I think the the Giants ended up where they did and what happened there. Though I do think that arbitrarily he won the thing of uh, so silly. But in 07, with what Matt Holiday did, run us through the numbers. Remind the people what that young man accomplished that season. I go and get my Breck beer that I can can sulk in.
1: Yeah, Drew, it, it is a good time to walk away and not think about Jimmy Rollins winning that award with 16 first-place votes. Holiday did get 11 first-place votes, just missed out. Similar wins above replacement, similar games played. Uh, but Matt Holiday, 36 home runs, 137 RBI, led the NL in ribbies. Still sold 11 stolen bases, which is pretty impressive. Batted 340. Fantastic season, uh, 1,012 OPS. Again, was a leader of a team who they didn't have much else going on. Tulowitzki of course, was there, had a, had a quality season. In fact, according to baseball reference, uh, was worth more wins above replacement. Much of that coming on the defensive side. Tula hit 24 homers, 99 RBI, batted 291. But Holiday was the guy, and Because voters vote before the postseason and after the regular season, I think Holiday probably did get maybe a small bump from game 163. Not a lot, but I I think it it did make a difference. He was going to finish second place uh, for the most part behind Jimmy Rollins. Or rather, I should say, he was going to finish whether there was a game 163 or not. Right, if, if the Rockies were in, or they had just missed by a game, you were going to see Holiday finishing second. So he probably, you know, got a couple extra votes from his play in that game. But that was—it's just so close. It's you know that there's not a lot of races that have that many points. It was a difference of seventeen points. Yeah. So we're 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 talking a, a somebody putting Matt Holiday first place and someone putting jimmy rollins third or fourth or a series of guys just moving moving around their board just a little bit and just not thinking much of it not realizing the impact because mvp races typically don't get this close you you know who the guy is and most people do and yeah once in a while you see those ballots that you go what what season was this guy watching but but that one that one guy doesn't make that much of a difference for example in yesterday's uh, Cy Young Award voting, somebody left you Darvish off their list, a guy who was very clearly second. And he, yeah. I went and actually wrote his article because I'm thinking it was a guy from L.A. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were there some issues when Darvish was in L.A. with this guy? Turns out not necessarily the case. But when you've got 10 guys to vote for an MVP, it's a lot harder to to totally miss a guy on the ballot. So Holiday just missed with that. That fantastic season and 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 one of only three guys to even get that close with a second place finish.
0: Yeah, and as much as again this one really frustrated me at the time, and still looking back on it does. Um, you you can again understand the argument here a little bit, and there, they really couldn't have been two more different players, right? Jimmy Rollins was getting a lot of his value from his defense at shortstop. And if I had been at, uh, you, you know, DNVR Phila at the time, I probably would have been talking all about how defense at shortstop is just the most important thing. And if you're a plus plus defender at short and that guy's a minus defender in left field, no way can that guy be more valuable. But then, you know, you're talking, 50 points of batting average difference, 60 something points of on base and slugging difference. Matt holiday was so much better at the plate. And I think one of the things that's funny to me is like, now we live in this era where all of the, the smartest baseball people were the sort of general consensus, especially among the analytics community, right? It's like defense is nice. Defense is cute. Base running is nice. It's super cute. hit. Dingers, hit big honking bombs and take walks. Try not to make outs. Those are the guys who are the most valuable. And, you know, I think under any modern context, Matt Holiday walks away with this thing pretty easily. And people aren't talking about, oh, what great, you know, defense at shortstop against a guy who's clearly the best hitter in the league and carrying a very young and inexperienced team. Into the postseason uh, with just a monster performance, and you know the clutch home run. You don't, you know, we we don't get into that stuff enough. I make a big enough deal out of it with Nolan Arenado, but Matt holiday was going out there, and you know these home runs. Here, here's one in in the eighth inning. It's going up. Take, I mean, great pitchers. You could not. The guy was unstoppable, and it, it's really. I I think again, it's too bad. I I do think that the Slight deciding factor there is ultimately well, you know the Phillies are kind of a real organization, and they did have more win. Like they were the they were the uh, division winners that year, and the Rockies did have to sneak in, if you will. Now we've talked about this.
1: Before. Had the they same also- record. They had the same had record. The same oh, record. And, no. In fact, actually, the Rockies, because of Game One sixty-three, ended up finishing with a better record because they had another opportunity. But they were both eighty-nine and, and, and seventy-three. And the other curious thing, too, when you go back and look, because you, you made this point, Drew, about it being a, a very young club, of course, which we know. But you know the the lack of, of support around Holiday. I mean, I, I shouldn't phrase it like that because there were a That's lot of a really good. It was a very good team overall, but as far as in the lineup goes, you were not going to pitch to Holiday. You would pitch to Atkins or Brad Hopp or Tulowitzki, who may have been worth more wins above replacement, but much of that came on the defensive side. So when you take all of that into context, you look and go, well, actually, Ryan Howard, who... According to Wins Above Replacement, didn't have a very good year, but sure, certainly looks like it with 47 home runs. Wow, 136 RBI, finishing second to Holiday. He came in fifth in the NL MVP vote. So you look and you say, "Well, wait a minute." Rollins had Howard. Who did? Who did Holiday have as his supporting crew? Maybe that's worth a little bit more. Yeah, I think so, but but maybe still not enough. Once once that narrative has been creative created. It's it's really hard to convince people otherwise. They 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 know what they know, or at least they think they do. Yeah. And it's only until, you know, after the fact that we have some hindsight where you can go back and look and say, ah, you know what? If you were to do it all over again, would it have been differently? And I definitely think there's a strong case to suggest that it would have gone down differently.
0: Yeah, I, I think the modern electorate would give that to uh, holiday. But Again, just another one of those things that uh, uh, just ah, <laughs> it makes you tear your hair out as a Rockies fan because in – and I, th- I think I've said this before. In fact, I, I did that article during the – no, it was last year. I don't know. It's all blended together um, about sort of the, the most egregious Rockies narrative moments in history, right, the times where people have like held Coors Field against them for their hitters and then maybe not giving the pitchers credit or whatever, just times where it seems like the Coors field thing has played way too big a part of the picture. And, and some of these, you know, Matt holiday, not winning the MVP here was one of them. And I think maybe even in that entry, I wrote something like each one of these individual cases, you can kind of go, you can talk yourself into it being like, yeah, okay, okay. Bonds and Kent, maybe they deserved it in 2000. You, you can make the case there here. Maybe Rollins deserved it. in seven. Okay. Okay. You make the some of the next ones here we're going to talk about, 17 and 18. Uh Okay, okay, maybe you can make the case there. But, uh, 96. <laughs> but all of them together starts to paint a pretty clear picture, a pretty clear narrative that it's easy to just instinctually, I think, for voters go, ah, but the Rockies. I it, I. I, I know that happens, <laughs> and it's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, you definitely can see that. And, you know, the the other guy to finish second place that, that we haven't mentioned is, is, of course, Dante Bichette in 90, 95. And, you know, that I don't think that narrative had begun yet, right? I mean, it's their right. third year. But it's it's curious for, for a lot of different reasons. It's, In fact, if you look at the, the voting in 95, you almost go, I, I don't even – your mind will blow up. Your mind will blow up for numerous reasons. So Barry Larkin wins the MVP, and you go, "Hey, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Had a really great season: 15 homers, 66 RBI in the middle of the steroid era. That 319 again, but for a shortstop, okay? 51 right. stolen bases, and you say, "Oh, just overall, overall he was. Yeah. yeah, he was the leader of of that Cincinnati team. A uh, 5.9 wins above replacement. You got Dante Bichette, who obviously we we know what he does in uh, in the first game of of course field uh with that with that walk up of course i got i got to play that right now and pull that up what he does to lead that team into the playoffs first ever wild card uh team from from the national league and the numbers he put up were just spellbinding you know 40 homers 128 rbi 340 batting average manages to steal Thirteen bases doesn't only one hundred thirty nine games. Of course, we know it was a short mm-hmm. season. Still played more than Barry Larkin had nearly a hundred more at bat at bats than Barry Larkin. So by all accounts, you say, I mean it's got to be Dante Bichette, according to wins above replacement. Bichette was worth one point two wins above know. replacement, which is <laughs> mind blowing. You go, know, okay. There's, come on. There's no Nelson Cruz he in right field could not subtract that much value. Possibly, and then I, you know to make
0: good. I need to see the video evidence. I've seen that number a couple yeah. of times, Patrick. Because you know we've 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 been doing this all off season. You and I have just been pouring through Rocky's history and all the numbers, and I've seen that one pop up a couple of times. And I just I need the video proof that he was that bad defensively. Because no way, like I don't. That's of all the stats I've come across that I've said I'm not sure I believe that, including that the Rockies need to be more imbalanced than balanced. I'm like, I'm not sure I believe that. Um, but 1.9 war in a season like that, where he's raking now something, something funky happened there. Either that, or every time a ball was hit to left field, he literally tripped on his own two feet and fell over <laughs> because I, I right. I don't know what there, happened.
1: There's no way. And then here's the kicker. Third place was the guy that had the most wins above replacement. It was a pitcher. So it's very easy yeah. to overlook this guy, especially because he was pretty steady at the time. Hey, Mr. Greg Mad Dog Max was 19-2, 163 ERA. Again, Ooh. in the middle of the steroid era. Should have given uh, it Maddox. Yeah, 0.81 wins above replacement. He only gave up eight home runs and, and over 200 innings pitched. Struck out 181. We talked about that with Knudsen yesterday about how people don't remember how much of a strikeout artist Maddox was because of that finesse. So you got those three guys, and you say, "Oh man, it, it, redo that that vote, and it could be totally flip-flopped." Also, redo that vote uh, at some point in in the future when we've got better metrics for for defense, and you go, "Wow, no, Dante Bichette was." was totally uh uh, mislabeled and and undervalued and he 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 was nine wins above replacement according to this metric because you know it just downplays offense so it it, i
0: wonder what drc can we uh i haven't seen that can is is that retroactive can we run drc back to 95
1: i don't think so because um i'm not sure if the program is is eagle eye or if it's uh I, i forget all the different uh, yeah. programs that, that, that yeah. they use in the stadium basically to, to, to figure out where a player is positioned and how yeah. far you know he had to go for the ball and in the route that they took, like, you know, they, they've got those, they've got these cameras and in, in ballparks. Right. That, that's, you
0: know, that's what I, th- I thought it was basically like, there's no way to do that. Yeah. There's a, c- a few other statistics. I'd be very curious, but I just don't think there's a way to go back and do it. So yeah, I, I do think the one thing that that's got where it's an, it has some in common, because like you said, I don't think there'd been a narrative like cemented yet that like it, it was distrust. And I think that's a, what it always is. Honestly, whether it's Larry Walker's career numbers, what Todd Helton did in 2000, Bichette there, uh, Burks the next year in 96 had an absolutely monster season. And I think what happens is voters just look at it and go, well, that's too much. They don't trust it. They just don't trust those numbers. Matt Holiday don't trust that. 350 is real. Uh, And so I I think that, you know, a lot of times, so therefore Dante Bichette there, he was the first one where people went, Hmm, I don't know. That smells funny. And they may have been right about that. As we talked about, it may have been a little bit of the Coors factor, but he was also just very good at hitting baseballs.
1: Yeah. And, and I think one of the things from that era too, is that the Rockies had, you know, so many players that were, you know, a bit electric and, and they were, they were in the midst of that, that home run craze. And, you know, I don't know that it, it, it took votes away from other guys, but it, it might've, you know, made it less valuable if if other guys on your team are are posting big numbers. In, In fact, what's interesting is, so again, does this make the case that that voters were were kind of shying away from Colorado or does this make the case that there was a bit of atrophy going on where all these guys are you know uh, almost downplaying what their teammates are doing because they're all doing it what's what's interesting is that from 95 to 98 for four straight seasons at least three Rockies players garnered votes in the MVP right for the national league by far the most the the longest stretch that they had something like that in for four straight years you could find at least three guys on the ballot so uh, that's that's pretty impressive and and goes to show you again how much thump they had in that lineup and how fun it was that 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 probably was the best time you know to be a rockies fan singularly 2007 the best time but yeah. if you're talking about an era, I think that's that could be could have been the most fun. It was it was innocent, right? There's no right. yeah, but the ball carries so far. I think we I think people knew about it, but we didn't know to what we didn't degree. talk
0: about it that much yet. Yeah.
1: And and it was okay, you accepted yeah. it. There wasn't this twenty-eight season run of not winning the NL West. It was, hey, we're the new kids on the block, we're having fun. Every game's selling out. We got yeah. this beautiful baseball cathedral and and you know for guys like you and me like we were we were young we were little kids back then yeah, so cool. to us that that is a more innocent time whereas you know right now you could probably make that case but you know we're, we're grizzled old vets now so you know maybe at some point we'll say that you know this this late late 2010s and, and early 2000s could be a great time but you just you more fondly remember those times when you are a kid, and, and when you talk about, oh, Piazza's coming to town this week, Barry Bonds is coming to town right. this week, and it doesn't have that same, you know, you no know, verve, if you will. But man, those Blake Street Bombers teams, just
0: yeah, yeah. they, I mean, they they were I'm incredible. Ambitious. Yeah, they they really were incredible, it, and and I think you're right. I think there's a chance to salvage this era, but it doesn't look. Yeah great right now um certainly they've got other worldly talents who were as good if not better than anything they had back then but that innocence is long gone and people aren't accepting two years of terrible ba- well really a year and a third of terrible baseball um a- after two consecutive post it's no longer acceptable and that's to be understood so uh one thing though that we have discovered here patrick is that Regardless of the situation, a safe bet, if you will, is to think that there's going to be a Colorado Rockies who garners an MVP vote. Now, I don't know exactly how the DraftKings sportsbook folks got this set up, but that would be a pretty solid bet to set out there for yourselves. There's going to be a member of the Colorado Rockies who finishes top ten in MVP voting. I mean, not top five in the next couple of years, though. You know, Story and Aronado are always going to be in the picture. As long as they're on the team throughout the years, the Rockies, other than this last year, have always had someone around that conversation. But if you're a little bit hesitant to get jumping right back in to betting on the baseball, what with an entire super strange offseason coming up here, you're in that pigskin mode. You're ready for the football. You know what's going on this Sunday. Well, that actually works out perfectly because promo right now, when you use that code DNVR, you get... DraftKings ensuring all new users covered up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover risk-free Sunday, all of the action. And there is plenty going on this Sunday for you to bet on. It's going to be a fun weekend of football. And if you think you know what you've got out there, now's the time to get involved. If you've been curious about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use that promo code DNVR when you sign up. And they are insuring all your Sunday bets up to 100 bucks. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, risk-free coverage, paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
1: Well, before we get back to our conversation about Rockies players in the MVP race, we do want to congratulate Jose Abreu for winning the American League MVP, Freddie Freeman for winning it in the National League, DJ LeMay, who did finish in third place. And, Drew, I was a little that bit anti-Rockies worried.
0: anti-Rockies bias. Oh, wait.
1: Oh, that does uh, – technically, oh. I don't know. Yeah. Well, really? no, I I think the voters in the AL go like, wait, wh- where was DJ LeMahieu beforehand?
0: Like, who was that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. think someone even voted for LeMahieu as rookie of the year last year with the Yankees. <laughs> they were like, wow, this kid came out of nowhere. Like, no, Straight no, up. he's not. He's not. Um, but I was a little worried that there, would, there might not be a Rockies player who got a vote. I, I think because there's a top 10. If there were a top five, I would have felt pretty confident that maybe – Story wouldn't have gotten a vote, but because it was top 10, Story did get a couple seventh place votes overall did finish 11th uh, just behind Trevor Bauer in the MVP voting. So a nice little,
0: you know, feather in his
1: cap. No, no, Nolan Arenado in there at all. No Charlie Blackman, sure. her men, Marquez. Um, so that will, that'll be a more of a discussion for another day. Drew, I'm, I'm going to give you a, before we fly all over the place mm-hmm. and I throw some, some, random names and seasons at you. Uh, yeah. I got I got I got two questions for you. Two trivia questions. Okay. What does what does Jeremy Bernitz, mm-hmm. Carlos Gonzalez and Houston Street have in common? We've got Jeremy Bernitz,
0: Jeremy Burnett. Carlos
1: Gonzalez and Houston Street. All three of those gentlemen have something in common possibly on our theme today.
0: Um is there a California connection? Is it, uh, that seems plausible.
1: Well, think about our topic. As to do with our topic today about so, Rockies and MVP votes. But what exactly? I, guess,
0: I mean, I guess they would have all have received some votes um, at some point. Correct. Certainly, certainly Cargo has. Obviously, Houston Street in 09. Jeremy Burnitz I know his one year in Colorado <laughs> what was he two years uh, year and a half can't remember 2004 okay. uh, well,
1: you were you were you were more right than you probably even realize because while all three of these men did receive a vote in uh, for MVP in the National League in one season what they also have in common is they all received a vote in the NL MVP race in exactly one season. Yes. Carlos Gonzalez never received a vote in any other season other than the uh, third place finish in 2010. Never even got a 10th place vote. That seems shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. You don't have to comment on that because that's, it's blown your mind. I can tell.
0: It's, I wish it was more shocking to me. I wish, I wish it was a little bit more surprising. But what was the year? Was it 12 or 14 where he went bananas, nuts, crazy? And the lot like he got off to a slow start and then, but he ended up having a 40 home run season by the end, like that he didn't receive any votes that year. Um,
1: he he was always some kind of acknowledgement I think
0: what's the other year I'm I'm thinking of but man yeah that that's uh he was always underrated and never got enough credit for his defense His all I mean he had a hard time staying healthy yeah 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 in 2015 he hit 40 home runs
1: yeah the only one to get votes that year was was Arenado uh who did end up finishing in eighth place all right, so that one was a, that one was a surprise. Um, I, I gave you I gave you the hard one first, but now this one will be fun. And again, this is for anyone playing at home as well. As I had mentioned earlier in the episode, two thousand nine, five Rockies players garnered mm-hmm. votes in the NL MVP. How many can you name?
0: Okay. And we have mentioned all of them on
1: this this episode. Maybe not exactly, but their names have been mentioned. I've, I've been so you, I know you got this one.
0: Oh man, so you've you've got Troy Tolowitzki.
1: Bingo. Fifth um, place. He was the highest that year. Very nice.
0: Um Tom Helton probably received some votes at the He was next. Back. He was 13th. Oh, he was next.
1: Okay. So 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 you're actually getting them in order of Their value, very nice. I'm. I'm going to expect you to continue to do this. Go ahead. (laughs) Who finished 16th that year in the NL MVP voting?
0: Oh, I got to remember. Oh nine, and we just said because cargo wasn't because he was bad until the very end, so he wasn't. Mm -hmm. This I'm. I'm going to trip up here a little bit now because Atkins wasn't still good. Um, So
1: Carlos Gonzalez in his first. Year hint, hint, mm. finished third place in 2010 with the Rockies. What? So we're looking for number 16 in 2009. Voting with the Rockies would have had to have been. Oh, follow my right. train of thought. Why? All oh, the man. listeners are right. Someone just went off the road. True. Somebody oh, oh, just oh, went off the oh. road. <laughs> Someone so just weird. went off the road, and you need to be held accountable for that. Don't say, oh, well, Pat, Patrick didn't ask the question. No. Somebody's going to be sending you a very angry email right now.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> Somebody, was, was it Matt Holiday?
1: There we go. Okay.
0: <laughs> All
1: right. Forgot for
0: a second. I was like, wait, who was he? I, f- I forgot that he was still on the team.
1: <laughs> and we've got uh, 25th and 28th. The guy who was 25th, uh, we talked about him yesterday. And the guy who was 28th, and the guy who was 28th actually got votes in 07 and 09. So twice he's gotten votes. Kind of overlooked, but was very, very popular from that era. Well, so Houston Street. Houston Street. It's 25th. All right, you need one more. Um, And you already said, ah, I don't think it was Garrett Adkins at that point. You would be correct. So I think that might leave one more guy out there, Drew. I think you got this one. The hopper? The hopper. That's right. hopper. You got all five. Let's go. You You got all five. There we go. I mean after after we came out of the ditch there after the after we were in the holiday ditch I can't, I can't believe
0: I blanked on this well you got I, it. so so what throws me off right is obviously the the trade right sure. the, the the timing yep. of the trade is is what happened there so I'm giving myself the tiniest bit of pass for forgetting that Matt Holiday was still on the Colorado Rockies <laughs> for much of 2009
1: right cuz we got to be so that's the thing is is as as authors of, of articles and stuff, you, you got to get the specifics, right. It's like, okay, well, he was traded in 09, but it was after the season. So he played the season with the team, but then at, so if it was in 2010, in, yeah. the 2009 season was over. So you've got this, you know, amalgamation of like, okay, well, where, where does that line start? Where does it end? Was he still with the team? Was he not? But Holiday was there. So you, you did end up getting all five on that. Yeah, Jeremy a Burnett, right? Gotta love That's, some Jeremy uh, Burnett. That's a strange one. Um, we, we mentioned six times Walker, Helton, and Holiday. Arenado had an opportunity this year to join that list but did not get a single vote, not even a tenth place vote, so he's gonna have to wait uh until next year if he's still in purple to tie that mark. Other players that, that got MVP votes in five five season seasons is Alaraga. All five seasons. Highest, highest six, six six always, always, always finish tenth. So, dude, so was dude, always, always
0: right there. Yeah. there.
1: And Four after times. um
0: Knudsen was talking about uh uh, Galarraga's defense yesterday because I've been looking through his numbers for the, the Blake Street Bombers article we did. And again, everybody subscribe to the DNVR.com, use that code Rockies so that you can read all that stuff. Plus, you get free shirt, mask, sticker pack, all those good things. Um, man, Galarraga, as I was looking at the numbers, like this guy was a borderline Hall of Famer, and I don't think he's thought about that way or talked about that. Way. And if his defense was really because the numbers give him no credit, you were talking earlier about, you know. What, what might we do with Dante Bichette if we get a, a better understanding? Certain metrics are invented, and we can go back and get a deeper. I, I feel like Galarraga might be a guy who, if you were able to go back and figure out – he was a huge plus on defense. because fangraphs has him as a big minus on defense. And you heard Knutson talking about him as – and everybody talked about him as a great defender at the time. If there was some way to measure that, it might honestly push Galarraga over the top into – He's a borderline – hall. like, he's right there. He, he would have as good a, of war numbers as a lot of Hall of Famers if he was getting plus credit for his defense because the bat from age 30 to 42 was incredible. It was just incredible.
1: It was, yeah. According to Jaws, I mean, he's considered the 75th best first baseman of all time. And on one hand, you go, all right, I I, I can see that there's been a lot of great first basemen. But when you actually look at the list of names that are ahead of him, you go, there's no way Kevin Euclidus had a better career than Andre Galarraga. He's 59th. And there's other names on this list that you go, all right, maybe he's in a Kent Herbeck-type class who's 53." Um, you know Freddie Freeman's ahead of him at, at forty seven, but you go all right. well, I mean, right. hey, maybe Freddie Freeman is is a similar comp, yeah. um, But Freeman's much higher up on that list than uh, than than Andres Galarraga. Maybe even Adrian Gonzalez. You say, hey, Adrian Gonzalez. Okay, uh, I could maybe Not see a good comp. Adrian Gonzalez is thirty eighth mm-hmm. on that list for first baseman. So again, ah, uh, you 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 got to say that that's that's something to be revisited and say was Andre Galarraga a hall of famer and, and did he deserve a, another look? And, and it could be, you know, that's the nice thing with the veterans committees that we have, yeah.
0: uh, you know,
1: Ted Simmons was a guy who, uh, you know, should have been put in this summer. He'll go in next summer in, in 2021 with, with Cheater and Galarraga and Marvin Miller. And Simmons was a guy who did not get a lot of votes, um, when it came for the writers from BBWA, the writers just said no. And when these committees get together, they're made up of executives. They're made up uh, of some, some writers, some of the, the old-time writers. Tracy Ringlesby was on one of those boards once, um, players from that time and that era. And they, they're they not going to go back and look and say, well, if the, if the writers didn't think he should have – you know, garnered a lot of attention. Then we're not. No, these these guys are are making their own pick. That's the whole purpose right. is to say, hey, did the writers miss something? Did the writers oversee something? Um, and and that was the case with Ted Simmons. Someday that could happen to Galarraga. I would, I would actually expect. You know, I I don't know that he'll ever get it, but I would like to hope and think that he would at least get on one of those veterans ballots where there would be that discussion and people right. would have a much more in-depth conversation about the player he was and the era that he played in and how there were so many really great first basemen, but you know, he kind of stood out a little bit. Or, you know, maybe, maybe there was just more players at a certain position that went into the Hall of Fame at that time. If it just happened to be that the nineties were the era of the first baseman, then so be it. There, yeah. There's no there should be no cap on that.
0: Right, totally. All right, let's rapid fire a few more of these before we sign off for the folks.
1: All right, it's a lot of Bichette, Castilla, Walker, mm-hmm. Helton, Helton, Galarraga, Burks. It's a lot of that, right? Yeah. But yeah. then we got in 2003, Preston Wilson
0: came over that Juan
1: Pierre deal. Cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah, finished that, 16th. yeah right Not yeah. bad. 16th finished uh the next season Jeremy Burnitz uh, the Burnitz era in 2004 oh, game tied, tied with Vinny Castillo uh for for 23rd place nobody in 2005 but Garrett Atkins did get some votes actually finished 15th in 2006 Yeah, boy i love Garrett Atkins he I, I i i'm a Garrett Atkins fan yeah. he is my boy he yeah. is definitely my boy my boy uh who else we got here uh Ubaldo Jimenez Again, mm-hmm. the only other pitcher to garner a vote and only the uh, second player to ever get votes in more than one category. So he was third in Cy Young in 2010, and it was 23rd in the MVP. The only other player to get votes in different categories was Tulowitzki, a second-place vote in 2007, and 18th in MVP in 2007. Michael Kadire in 2013 – Justin mm-hmm. Morneau in 2014, right? Uh, they were one and done players. Mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman in 16 and 17; those were his two big years. Lemayhu in 2016, 17. yeah. Lemayhu 2016, he was one and done, and uh, now we've got Trevor Story in 18, 19, and 20. So now he's got a three year stretch. Uh, he's got a nice active stretch and kind of is in is in that next tiered class with another, you know, with another MVP type season, he goes on that list with Arenado, Bichette, Castilla, Galaraga, Helton, Holiday, Tulo, and Walker, and is now now gets into that pantheon of all-time greats.
0: And here's the question for everybody out there. Who's the next player mm. to receive? an MVP vote I love for the that. Colorado Rockies. Because... You, you stole know, my question,
1: I, but but I, you can't steal someone's question 59 minutes into a <laughs> podcast. So I... Technically, you didn't steal my question, but that's right. 21 different players have gotten votes. Who's going to be number 22? Is it Ryan McMahon?
0: Kind of after he's the year he's had... Yeah, I just, that's what I would have said before the year started, you know?
1: A healthy David Dahl?
0: Ryan Tapia thinks it's going to be him and not just getting some votes. I don't know if y'all heard. Top,
1: okay. <laughs> Top's okay going this, for
0: the trophy.
1: this is going to sound strange, but last night before I go to bed, I, I was planning on getting up earlier this morning, do a little weight training, right? Try to try to keep myself nice and fit, get ready for, for any kind of, uh, uh, sponsorships we get from from any athletic companies. Right. you know, I, right. I, I, I'll be the spokesmodel. Okay, I'll, I'll get myself nice and chiseled. So I'm looking for some inspiration. I go on Instagram, looking up some people, checking them out, some wrestlers, right? Hey, those guys keep themselves fit. And somewhere along my feed, I see some jacked dude. And that jacked dude was Ryan L Tapia. The dude yeah. has probably put on another close to 10 pounds of pure muscle since the end of the season and maybe some of it was at the he 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 did it in september because again we we weren't able to get up and close right. but the dude is getting big his waist is still crazy skinny he's still probably a 32 waist yeah but his shoulders are massive he's got such taper on his shoulders down to his waist and i i don't know man the dude the dude looks like a dude
0: that's my pick
1: how about that Top's going
0: to get some MVP votes. At some point in his career, he will log some MVP votes. And people might have, you know what? Call me crazy. Don't care. It's going to happen. Uh,
1: Not JT Real <laughs> You don't think yeah. JT Real Muto will be the 22nd?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know who I actually do think will be 22nd, though? Kyle Freeland.
1: Now, you're going to have... Those odds will pay out well, because as we've established, only two pitches have ever done it. Right. But I do like that pick. I do like that pick. That's very interesting.
0: Send us yours. Remember, you can join us Monday through Friday at 4.05 p.m. Mountain Time, in case you were wondering. (laughs) We do things Mountain Time here. Uh, But on Facebook and Periscope, Monday through Friday. On Wednesdays, that special DFA show on the YouTube. you got to subscribe there. Click the bell icon. You you don't want to miss out on any of this stuff. The best way to make sure you're up to speed on everything is to subscribe to the DNVR.com. Help us beat those other beats out there right now. The Broncos and Avs and Nuggets have all had their time in the sun. It's time for Rockies fans to stand up, say we are the most hardcore fan base out there. Plus, like some free Rockies sticker packs, maybe a free Rockies shirt, a free Rockies. Well, it's not a Rockies mask. The mask is just the DNVR mask. But still, that's the stuff that you get when you use that code Rockies. And you sign up for the subscription right now. We got all kinds of stuff to read there, including the ongoing research we've been doing this offseason into the course field conundrum, the ongoing rocks or roll article where we tell you where each member of the team is going to end up next year. We keep you up to speed on where their contracts are at, and all the things you need to know about every member of this team, plus all the other fun articles that we just decide to write in the meantime. It's gonna be a great off-season for here at the DNVR, even if it's not necessarily a great offseason for baseball or the Rockies. Though I think the Rockies are going to surprise a lot of people out there. And while on paper they may not have one of those offseasons that makes you go, oh, my God, look at all the talent they brought in. I think they're set uh, in a pretty good spot. And I even like these early little moves. We'll, we'll start talking about all that next week, these, these relievers that they're bringing in who've, who've got some interesting resumes. But before we can do all that next week, tomorrow you know – It's Free Trade Friday, and that means bring us your trades, folks. you got to let us know who you want the Rockies bringing in or sending out. You can email us, Drew or Patrick, at the DNVR.com. You can come and join us again live on the Periscope or Facebook. Get trades done at BaseballTradeValues.com. Hit us up on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman. And of course, if you're subscribed, that's just another way you can get information to us, either through the Discord or by leaving comments on any of the articles or the podcast. Once you're a member of the DNVR.com, you basically have an all-access pass to be chatting with us all the time, whether it's about the Colorado Rockies or your favorite new album or a TV show or movie that you just watched that you want to tell somebody about. We're going to be right there on the other end of that all the time. That's what being a part of of the dnvr community is all about so again we can thank you only so much it'll never be enough but we'll continue to do it every day for listening to the podcast for subscribing to the dnvr.com for continuing to be absolutely awesome we promise you we will continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew and until next time we'll see you at the ballpark